Hey, <clears throat> hey, Merry Christmas to you. I know many of you are visiting with us. We have three campuses. You may not know this one, and then we have one down in Missouri City, and then the West End campus is on Shepherd, near Shepherd and uh, Washington Avenue. So in the new year, if you make resolution type things, which I don't recommend you do, then uh, you ought to try one of our campuses. We'd love to have you back. Listen, we're pretty laid back. We, we'd love to meet you and to see how we can encourage your life. Now listen, Lisa and I are kind of in a fight. I'll just be honest with you. First of all, many of you are wondering, why are you wearing that sweater? And uh, it's 85 degrees. Well, I bought it and I'm wearing it. I'll tell you that, okay? It's Christmas. I bought it months ago. This will be perfect for Christmas Eve. And I told the facilities department to please turn the air conditioner way down. So if you're cold, I'm sorry you weren't prepared. I am, okay? Hey, Lisa and I are in a little fight because uh, we told each other that we are not getting each other Christmas presents. We typically don't. We have everything we need. But she went out. She said, this isn't a Christmas present. This is a thank you present for all your help with my book, Love Soup. And, and I opened this huge package, and it just was so amazing. I wanted to show it to you today, but I wanted to make a big deal about it. And so Lisa Kelly bought me this present. Okay, I thought that'd be like, let's try it again. This present. Yes, thank you. That's right. It's the scooter. And I know some of you, I know most of you, most of you are nice and you're saying, well, what's a man your age and size doing with a scooter this way? And some of you are just downright mean and you're thinking you're too fat for a scooter. And... uh, And I knew you would be thinking that, so I documented my scooter skills, which are quite amazing. I'm quite an expert on the scooter, and I wanted to demonstrate, because I'm insecure, I wanted to demonstrate I can handle the scooter. So watch this. How about that, huh? Thank you, Lisa. Now here, this scooter is great. It's made by Segway. They finally found a product that would sell. And um, 
This thing is amazing. When I got it, it was dark, and I wanted to ride it in my cul-de-sac. And I was riding around in the dark, and I almost killed myself, quite frankly. And then Elisa said, you know, there's a light on that. And I said, no, I did not know that. And, I, of course, I don't read instructions at all. And uh, it's amazing. I hope it's put together right. And I, I found out if I do that, I have this really bright light. So I was riding around in the dark, and then I discovered this light. Hi, Ed. How you doing? And um, so this is amazing. And I was thinking about that. The only way I could tie in showing you my scooter with the Christmas story is to talk about light. So I thought I would do that because everybody likes Christmas lights. They like them on the trees and on the houses. Lisa and I's biggest sort of impasse at Christmas is she always wants the trees wrapped in the front yard. And I hate doing that because first of all, our, our trees have gotten big. So it's a, it's a big bear hug of the tree. And, and then when you get it all together, it never works. I mean, I plug it in and it doesn't work because we've been storing these lights. I mean, it's just terrible. Well, she calls me a big baby, goes out there, buys brand new lights every year and says, what's the problem? It works every time. And I go, this is the most expensive decoration we got. And it flips the GFI switch and all that stuff. But she loves the lights. We all love lights. Well, Christmas is filled with stories of lights. If you look at Matthew and Luke's uh, account of the birth of Jesus especially, we know some of this story that a great light uh, led some wise men from the east to the Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And light was the metaphor that God chose to demonstrate really how he feels about you. He wanted you to understand that lights come into the world that he understood also, which is very important, that we live in a dark world. That darkness in this world, and some of you understand this because you've lost something. Maybe you've even lost something this year. And it's kind of like, oh man, this world doesn't work the way it's supposed to. There's darkness in this world. And it's in that sort of idea that the darkness, that the light has come through. And the darker it is, the more bright the light shines. And that's exactly how God wanted us to understand him. That even though this world doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, that God's come to bring us light. He wants us to have joy. He wants to give us purpose and meaning. He wants our life to count. And Christmas is the beginning of that redemptive plan being instituted. Now, I know this Christmas is kind of dark for some of you because you're not going to get to celebrate with somebody because they're overseas serving or they can't make it home or they're sick or, or they're not with us anymore. We just got news yesterday that Matthew, I haven't seen my son Matthew in a couple of weeks, and he called and said he tested positive for COVID, and he couldn't come home this weekend I mean, uh, to, to see us, to celebrate. And, and we always do the 11 o'clock service together, and there's just a lot of, you know, Lisa's bummed, I'm bummed. And then my next thought, I'll just be honest with you, was can we take his presents back? And uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking, hey, he's not going to be here, you know? I mean, come on, can we cut back? You know, that kind of thing. Lisa said no, that kind of thing. So, hey, God wants us to understand light. In fact, there's a story in the Bible, in the book of John, about a woman who was living a very dark life. And because she was living a very dark life, some religious men took advantage of her. In fact, they marginalized her and victimized her. And they set this trap. Now, the trap really wasn't for the woman. The trap was for Jesus. Because Jesus had been growing this light that he brought. He, he was growing in influence and he was teaching this new gospel about, about the good news and about grace and mercy. And so they caught this woman doing something she shouldn't be doing. We'll just say it that way. You know the story. If not, read John chapter 8. And all these religious people brought this woman as if she was arrested to Jesus. And she, they thought they had Jesus in a bind because... 
If Jesus had adhered to the Jewish law, this woman deserved to be punished by death, be stoned to death. It was just a horrible way to do it. But if he did that, the people that followed him would think he's heartless. Why would you, why would you stone and kill this woman? But if he didn't follow the Jewish law, here's what would happen. He'd be accused of blasphemy. And that would discredit him. So the religious people, and you got to watch religious people, don't you? I mean, they're sneaky. And the religious people, they thought they had Jesus. They thought they had figured it out. They thought they found the loophole. Well, Jesus bent down and began to kind of mess around in the dirt. And when he stood up, he said this very famous line. You've heard this line. You may not have heard. You may not know where it came from. But here's the line. And the line is this. He who is without sin should cast the first stone. And so what he did there, I don't know if you recognize this, but what he did there is he put us all on the same playing field, the religious person and the harlot. And he put us all together and said, there's no difference between you. You're all broken and you all have this problem called sin. So he who is without sin, will you start the stoning to death? And I'm sure, I'm not sure exactly, but I kind of imagine that the older men in that religious group began to walk away quickly because they're more realistic. They knew they had some problems in their life. The younger men probably struggled a little bit, saying, well, I'm without sin. I'm going to cast the first stone. And one of their buddies probably said, no, remember last weekend? <laughs> Put that rock down. You know, that kind of thing. And so they all walked away. So when Jesus put us all together and had this sin issue, this darkness issue, this woman was living this very dark, dark period of her history and her story, he stands up and addresses her. And he says this. He says, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, sir, she said. And Jesus said, well, neither do I go and sin no more. Now, what I like about that is that Jesus didn't come to condemn us. We have enough self-condemnation. You've made enough mistakes that you're aware of that you beat yourself over. There's probably some sins or mistakes or decisions that you've made that 10, 20, 15 years later, maybe you're still regretting this. Well, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn you. He came to give you life and give you a full life. That's why he came this light that came into the world came into a dark period probably in your history. And what this woman got to experience was grace and mercy because grace and mercy is what transforms our lives. It pulls us out of the darkness. God's love for us changes us. And that was the challenge that he gave this lady. He said, now go and walk in the light. Go and do something different. In fact, the very next verse, Jesus said this. Later in one of his talks, Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. Now that's a pretty bold claim. I'm the light of the world. I'm the hope you have. So if you follow me, you won't stumble through the darkness for living light will flood your path. And that's what we want. We want a living light to flood our path. We don't want to stumble around in the darkness, or do we? I mean, let's face it. There are times when we know what's right to do and we don't do it. Walking in the light is God's design for you because that's where joy is. That's where peace is. That's where contentment is. That's where your life has meaning and purpose and connected to this eternal creation that's you. But the truth is darkness is seductive. And we're always struggling with that temptation. And the joy in the darkness is always so fleeting. But darkness is a funny thing. 
We kind of get used to the darkness. And I think that's what Jesus was addressing in chapter 3 of John. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Because they like doing what they like to do. I mean, we know the truth, and oftentimes we ignore the truth. It's like we're living in this darkness, but our eyes have adjusted. Because our eyes have adjusted, we kind of grow used to the patterns and decisions and the moral code that we've created. And all of a sudden, when the light shines, we turn our heads away from it, or we ignore it in some way, or we put on sunglasses to dim it. And sure, we show up at church from time to time, and we have this religious thing that we celebrate that happened 2,000 years ago but it's not really illuminating our path. And Jesus never intended that. I mean, be honest, you like calling the shots, you like making the rules. We often choose pleasure or possessions or power over peace. And God says, you don't have to do that. See, Christmas is about light. It's about light coming into the world. It's about trusting Jesus Christ, that he's the light of the world, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your transgressions and mine, and he rose from the dead. And he doesn't want you to live just doing the best you can, following your own mind, your own desire, your own hearts, or even your own goals, because oftentimes left to our own devices, we end up in some sort of ditch along the way. We kind of go off the road. And so as we hold up this candle, I want you to think about a couple things. One, I want you to think about your own relationship with God. I want you to think, have I really acknowledged the fact that Jesus Christ is my light, that he's come into my world? And, and you can identify the darkness, I get that. But confessing the fact that you need a savior is such a hard step to take. But all of a sudden, when you experience God's grace and mercy, you can take that step and you believe that Christ died for you and was raised again, and you can have a relationship with him. So as you hold that candle up, ask, what do I believe about Jesus? This is the perfect opportunity. In fact, I'll lead us in a prayer in a minute for you to accept this gift of forgiveness, this gift of grace, this gift of mercy, for you to receive it and say, yes, I'm in on this Christmas. I believe that. I don't believe in some baby in a manger. I believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God. He was the savior of the world and he's the light of the world and I wanna follow him. The second thing I want you to reflect on as we light this candle is how can you be light to somebody else? Jesus not only said, I am the light of the world, but he said, you are the light of the world. So there's somebody in your neighborhood or in your family or at your work or somebody you know about that's struggling that's discouraged today and maybe they're in your life so you can be light for them. You can encourage them with hope. You can remind them that they're loved, that they count, that they matter and they're not alone. That your life is not to be lived just for yourself but you're to be the light of the world, encouraging others. So think about, could you bring somebody a pie? Could you write them a card? Could you shoot them a tax? Could you invite them over for Christmas dinner? I mean, what could you do with somebody in your life that you know isn't having a great season, that there's a darkness about it? Could you be that light? So I'm gonna say a prayer. We're gonna get to these candles, but don't waste this opportunity. Think about your own belief system, what you believe about Jesus, and think about how you can be light to somebody else. And you're gonna see some amazing things happen as these light, this light spreads across this auditorium. So let me pray for us and we'll get to the candles. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being the light of the world. We're so grateful, we are so grateful that we don't have to stumble around in the darkness, we don't have to try to figure it out ourselves, but you have a design and you know what you're doing. 
And so I know there are some here or watching online that um, have acknowledged the fact that you were born 2,000 years ago, but haven't done much else with it. If that's you and you're praying, maybe this is your moment. Maybe this is your moment to say, I'm in. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I recognize, I'm convicted today, I need forgiveness, I need grace, I need mercy, I need compassion. And so God, forgive me. I place my faith in Jesus and I wanna follow you. And Father, we wanna be the light of the world. We wanna encourage others. We don't wanna live for ourselves, but we wanna help others. So as we hold up this candle, would you encourage our spirit, God? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you draw our families closer together? Would you give us faith in you? That this might not just be a passing religious ceremony, but this might be something that would really be life-changing to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. What's gonna happen here is I'm gonna start here with one candle and then we're gonna light the ushers and they're gonna spread out. And what you're gonna see as we darken the room, you're gonna see this light spread. I think that's God's design. That as we get connected with the love of Jesus Christ, that we spread that and we make a difference in our community. And then in just a minute, we'll sing some, we'll sing some songs together and I'll, we'll ask you to stand and then we'll raise our candles together and um, in honor of what we're celebrating today, and I hope it really encourages you.
Why don't we stand together and we'll sing this last one. Father in heaven, we adore you. We thank you for grace that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. May the light of your love make a difference in our life. May we slow down long enough to appreciate the sacrifice that you've provided for us that we might sacrifice and love others. We thank you for this light because without it, God, we are stumbling around in a dark world trying to do the best we can trying to make sense of it all, and it just doesn't make sense. So we thank you for Christmas, and we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for loving us enough to help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.